Do you like that? I do. I don't know this one, but I like it. My favorite. Okay, on my list. Sounds good. I know we'll be dancing to that one pretty soon. Absolutely. <laughs> I know. I just sing it and sing it and sing it and dance with it and sing it and sing it. And <laughs> I keep going. I have to send you one that I dance to every morning. It's called um, "I Love My Life" by um, Robbie Williams. Oh. So I know you and I have a love of mantras and of like that work that lays the foundation. So you're going to love this one. It's called, I love my life. And it's got like the chorus is actually a mantra set of mantras, two sets of them. And I just like sing it and sing it. I sing it with my son in the morning, Sweet. planting those seeds. It's amazing. Awesome. Everybody, did you get that? I love yeah, my Right on. <laughs> well, hello everyone. Paulette Reese to meet you. Heart and hustle, visionary healers, movers, and shakers. I am so pleased to have my very special guest today, Elena Lipson. Yay, can we do this every day? Yeah, please. <laughs> I know, it's so I miss good. you. I know. And, and these conversations are so exciting, and I like them to be fairly short and quick, but, you know, to, to be able to share, again, tribal hostess that I am, to share with all my peeps out there, all you fabulous people listening in, watching and or listening, um, to share these amazing people that I get to meet in my life, to bring into my life, to share with you, to share their gifts with you, their passions, their magic. And I met Elena about four years ago, I think now. It was totally divine timing. Oh, it was amazing. And she's been co-teaching with me. Um, every year for the last couple of years, and we we gather and we share and we advise and we listen and we help and we celebrate each other's great, beautiful achievements and um, accomplishments in life. And yeah. we play washboard and ukulele together. <laughs> no, no I, I have to tell you this. I don't know if I've ever told you this. I've told a lot of other people, though, because I, I dance Zumba now about four times a week. And I danced when I was younger for years. And then we moved away from my dance studio. And I never quite, like, found that rhythm again of dancing, except for just going out to clubs and in my house and all that. Right. But the first year that I went to Brighton Bush with you, and we had those three days, and it was, like, hours of dancing every day. And I was... I mean, sweating and just like, oh, I felt static, you know, like women do when they gather and dance and music and all of it. Um, and on that drive home, I'm like, oh, how am I going to not dance every day? I want to do this every day. And then you said, well, why don't you try Zumba? I'm like, oh, Zumba. No, this was like tribal, like, like movement, like for women. And I can't do Zumba. Zumba is just aerobics. I'm like, no, go try Zumba. And I, it took me a couple months. <laughs> But I found a Zumba, and somehow, like, through divine intervention, I found – actually, it matters the teacher you have, right? So, like, every teacher is a different rhythm, different energy. But this first teacher that I got, her name is Betty. I call her my very own Betty. And she's just this Latin – like, she looks like a dancer. She's not, but she just loves that you can hear her hearing the music and the rhythm, and she just hears it and feels it with her body. And for months – I cried <laughs> during Zumba. And I think it was just this release of emotion. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, love it. I was feeling something that was like, first of all, ecstatic joy to be in a room dancing with like the wood floors and the mirrors. It really accessed that little girl that loved to dance. I thought I just could be a dancer. And so when I was doing it, I feel that. And then so it took me a few months to stop crying <laughs> in Zumba. Um, but now I went once a week and twice a week. And now I go four times a week 
pretty much unless I'm traveling. And it's a commitment because I have to leave my house and leave my family and go to the gym and you know do the whole thing. And it has just over the last few years literally changed my my DNA, mm -hmm. my joy level, my um, my fitness level, of course, my stamina, my endurance. And as an entrepreneur, as a mom, you know, we need endurance. We need stamina. It takes energy <laughs> to do what we do. So besides the self-care, it's become one of my biggest tools. So I have you to thank for that, for really awakening. I mean, yes, I'm the one who goes and I do you know, all that. But that conversation we had on the way back in that first experience I had in that weekend, dancing for hours at a time, just really awoke something in me that I had been longing. I didn't even know I was longing. You know? Well, and I think that's, I mean, that's a great testimonial because you see how it changed you. Yes. And, and I, I mean, I, of course, my theory is you have to change your state. You have to move your body. Yes. yes. The more you do it, the more it changes and the more dynamic you become and the more vibrant you become. And, yeah. and, and if, unless you do it, you don't really even understand that. No. And now when I teach at retreats and I've done, you know, I, we do ours at the, the one I teach at yours at the Brighton Bush, but I also teach at other retreats. I've been in like Costa Rica and Tulum and, and the dancing part that I teach in terms of embodiment and movement and clearing and shaking that I teach is morning practice. I mean, I have women who are so stuck in not moving that when they do, I mean, I see it right in front of me. They're like, sobbing and releasing right there and I was you know I know how to kind of walk them through that and, and allow them to release it because I've experienced it and I know I've been teaching this long enough like to know that it's okay it's awesome like whatever is coming up right now is great so it's just been like the, the embodiment piece is one of the anchors that I teach which is why I love the work how you marry your work with the coaching and the dance it's all interwoven there's you can't separate it you can't do the work here without having it come down into your body Absolutely. So that's, I'm sure, you know, a whole topic we can sort of spend a month on, which you know, I do in my, in my program. I spend a lot of time on movement and embodiment, um, but it's so key to transformation and so key to being a woman. And it's changed how I am intimately with my husband and how I move through the world, all of it. Well, and, and just your own comfort in your body. Yes. I mean, that's key right there yes. to know that your body works with you for you, not against you, that it mm -hmm. is juiced up and, and alive, right. alive. Right. And I've seen also really interesting. I remember the very first time we were dancing, I remember having a self-consciousness about it. Like, how do I look? What's sticking out? Like covering things up. And now that it's been several years of doing this, and I think also the stage of life that I'm in, there's been like a little bit of release where I'm like, you know what? I don't have time to worry about what everyone else is thinking. I have work to do. And so I remember like just last week I had a friend join me and then my other friend said, oh, were you self-conscious when she was dancing next to you? I said, you know, it's a really fascinating question. I think a few years ago I might have been, but honestly, like I'm just so in it in the moment. Like I have, I don't care what's sticking out. I don't care what move I get wrong. I don't care. I'm so in it that I know the joy that exudes is going to inspire me and those around me. And it doesn't matter. And I think that's really an important key is to be in the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, it is a moving meditation. Yes. You know, whether it's fast or slow. I mean, I incorporate lots of moving meditations into my work and it is allowing yourself to be in that space, allowing mm -hmm. yourself to be present and be in the moment. Then you don't think about those other things. No. And that's mm -hmm. part of the beauty of, of the dance. And even if you get intricately involved in my, my particular style of gypsy caravan, tribal belly dance, it is so much about connecting in the moment that yes. nothing else exists. No. And it, it took me a while to like get the moves where I could 
not worry so much about getting them right, but getting them mine. Like yes. whatever the move is, you know, it wasn't so much about like, oh, I, oh, I missed that, or you know, I just loosened up. And I think that I can look back now long enough to see and have the perspective to see how it affected my confidence in my work, my message, my coaching, like all the different ways that you as a woman walk in the world differently when you're embodied versus when you're trying to get it right, whatever it is, the relationship, the conversation, the decoration, the, the business, like whatever, it doesn't matter, shopping, the food, who cares, it doesn't matter, like you just show up messy and it's okay, you show up perfectly poised and it's okay, and everything in between, like to get to that point is such freedom, and we all have moments, I still have my moments, I, in fact, I just had one recently, one of, one of my good friends and partners, she's like, I think you're having a little crisis of confidence. I'm like, oh, yes, you're right. Of course, I'm the one who needs to answer this, not you. Like, she, you know, it's just a reflection that we still go there. And that's real and that's life. But it took me very little time to come back from it to be like, wait a minute. Nice, good. <laughs> I get it. Well, it's awareness, right? It's awareness. Consciousness to it and how to change it and look at it. But, you know, I think that's part of what I love about what I'm doing with tribal grooves. Is, is the same kind of idea is like we've used these beautiful feminine movements because mm. I teach it as a woman and I teach it for women, although men can do it, but it's just about in, embodying your f divine feminine, your beautiful curves, your breasts, your hips, your thighs, your feet, your hands, and just feeling that movement, allowing yourself to move. No, I love that. And, um, and then having fun. Yeah. Just let it all go and let yourself move. And learning yeah. how to let yourself move is it's a, a key component. Totally. You know, allowing yourself to move. Yeah, and I believe the universe, whoever powers that be, love play. Like, you know, we're also serious. And there's a lot of things to be serious about. Let's stay real for a minute. Like, there's a lot to be serious about. Politics and money and life and health of the planet and health of the people, all of that is very serious and deserves attention. But there's also this other part of our, you know, we do have the privilege to sit and reflect and let's not waste that, you know, and we also do have the privilege to enjoy and play and let's not waste that because it informs then creativity and it informs how we show up in other areas and to the politics. You know, if we just keep doing the same things over and over again in all those areas, what we're just going to get the same old stuff. You know, if we have some new infused like creativity, like how can we, hmm, let, let's see if we can, okay, so we're, we're activists. What does that mean? How can we be creative, sacred activists and, and try new things and connect people differently? Like this is all connected. This is not just like dance and play over here and world politics over here. Like we can really, this is good. This is good stuff. <laughs> we're going to change the world. And, and I, think, I think out of, um, this has been a theme for me in the last couple of weeks is thinking about the chaos because from chaos comes creativity. Yes. From chaos comes life. Yeah. And I think that's really important to acknowledge that and to let that flow, you know, to allow the chaos, acknowledge it, and then what happens from there? Right. Right. It's like that birth process. You know, there's always that last stage called transition where you're just like, you're done. There's nothing you want to, you you're done, literally. Like, I, I want to walk away. There, there's no control. All control is gone. There's nothing you can do. And it's almost like when we're in that state, it feels so scary. We don't know what's coming next. You know something's coming, but you don't know what it is. And it's painful and it's dark and it's like, 
I don't, did I, I didn't choose this. Like, please someone help me get out of this. And that's sort of where people are right now, really in our world. Like, how do we get here? I don't want to do this anymore. You know, and so what happens now, but if we can just stay with it and, and move through it and take care of ourselves. So we have the energy and the stamina and the will to be there for what's coming next. And I'm one of the, the believers that we do have something phenomenal coming next. And I don't know what it is, but what I see is women and men and children awake and asking questions and starting conversations in ways that I've never seen before. We, I don't, in my lifetime, I haven't been privileged to like activism and, you know, I wasn't part of the whole women's movement. It was before my time. I was in a different country. And so I think now for the first time, I'm seeing it really in my, with my own eyes mm -hmm. and with my own friends and conversations and in my house, you know, having to talk to a child about what's going on is really challenging. Oh my gosh. So I think the more we can stay in our bodies and stay um, doing the work, you know, where we were going with this, that's a good conversation to have. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, so that's a good, that's a great segue because I want to take it back to you. Yeah. So, you know, um, heart and hustle. You're doing the work that you love. You're doing the work you're called to do. What, how did you get to where you are right now? Yeah, I think. What is it you do exactly? Okay, so that's a good question to start with. <laughs> so I started um, many years ago as a corporate trainer and a coach. So I was in a situation where I was a training manager for a real estate company. Um, it was a real estate training company. It was like a computer training. And I was their training manager, training their salespeople and their incoming employees and developing programs. And the very first thing they did for us as managers was bring in a, a, a consulting company that was two women from a company called Trilogy Coaching. And they did this whole weekend seminar on communications and management and I'm watching them I'm like what is that like what are they doing <laughs> like, I really wanted to know because I realized that the company had brought them in to train us spend a couple of days give us all these cool communication tools and they were gone I'm like well that's interesting do they do that you know do they travel do they do other companies like I just started triggering a new perspective in my mind that I hadn't considered because I just grew up thinking college, corporate, and so on, climb the ladder until I'm sitting on my throne at the top of a tall building in New York City with my wheels and briefcase. Like that was my image. Mm -hmm. Even though I was very entrepreneurial in general, in spirit. And so I actually connected with the, one of the women afterwards and hired her personally to coach me. And I hired her in the company to coach me to develop a training thing. So I got to work with her long term and really explore what it meant to be a coach versus a trainer in a company. And I went and got certified at Coach U for personal and executive coaching because being the Gemini that I am, I didn't know which one I was going to do. So I just like get both. So I did both. And that took several years. And I started taking on clients through referral. And I was like 20 whatever, nothing, you know, basically saying I'm a coach. <laughs> it was so scary in some ways because one of my, one of my first, two first clients, one was a woman who was starting her own business. And that was, I actually got that. I helped her with her plan and some confidence issues and that felt okay. But the second client that I received was from going to a network marketing meeting and the guy was hosting this thing on fear. And afterwards I came up to him in my little suit, you know, it's like a breakfast meeting. Cause I would go to meetings during like between my real job, <laughs> you know, he's like, Oh, I love, you know, I love your energy. I have a client who needs coaching, but I don't have any space. Would you take a referral? I'm like, absolutely. Oh my God. <laughs> like, and it ended up being this guy in his fifties or sixties. And he was a CEO of some company. And I'm like, well, I have no idea what I'm doing. 
the very first call I was sitting during my lunch hour at my corporate job in the car with 20 notes around me about coaching, <laughs> like notes everywhere. I was sweating. I had my little earbud on and using up my minutes on the phone because it was not like this, you know, now you have unlimited minutes and there was like, you know, you had a hundred minutes a month. I'm like, oh my God, it's going to eat all my minutes. And I just was so sweaty and so not present because I was reading my notes and trying to listen. It was just an intake session really. And um, I got out of the, after the hour was done, I got out of the car and I was so exhausted. I'm like, if this is coaching, it's too much. <laughs> like, I can't, I'm so tired. So that was how I started, was really trying to do the best that I knew how by like, you know, reverse engineering anything, everything and like organizing myself like I did when I was a trainer, corporate mm -hmm. trainer. It's just not the same, you know. Um, so over the years, I figured it out <laughs> and I got my methodology and like I realized, you know, that I needed to relax in order to be present and I couldn't have all the notes in front of me. And so I, I changed the way that not only I was coached, but I changed the way I was coaching. Mm -hmm. um, the assessments were still there and all the things that we do, but really it was about conversation and, and helping people move forward. So when, um, fast forward later, um, we moved to Washington state from California and I started my first online business and I, my son was getting a little older and I realized I wanted to go back to coaching because I had taken some time off when he was born and was doing other, I had an online store. <laughs> like I never really stopped <laughs> kind of a hustler, I guess. Um, so I wanted to go back to coaching, but then I thought, you know, I had been through this personal journey of, um, because I'd worked for so long like in my day job and coaching, I had really very little time off. And so I worked morning, you know, I'd go to networking meetings, I'd take clients in the evening and my body was starting to break down in terms of um, my immune system, which I didn't realize at the time was, was feeling drained and exhausted and my adrenals were drained. And so I developed something called Epstein-Barr, which just is an autoimmune, which so many women, I, I'm, I have this theory, like, you know, about autoimmune issues. Um, there's so many different kinds, everything from arthritis to Epstein-Barr and to like just for different versions of it, Crohn's disease. And I, I know so many women in my work who have these. And I think it comes from this. Yes, it's crazy. Like we just don't, we've forgotten how to listen to our own inner rhythm and pace and trust that the rest and the nourishment, all of it. It's like this thing that we do when we get sick. Like we don't, we don't have permission to rest until we're sick, right? A lot of us feel that way. That's how I was too. That's hard. <laughs> yes, it is so hard, but it's, it's, it's crucial to give our body rest. That's how our brain works. If you're into neuropsychology or anything, like your brain is not on all the time. It needs that downtime. Your body needs downtime. If you wouldn't run your car for 24 hours, you let it rest because you know something's going to burn up in there. So the same thing with our bodies. So we don't, we just... We don't, I know it intimately because I lived it. <laughs> well, I, I think that is such a hard lesson at, uh, you know, type A here too. Just go, go, go until you drop. I know I'm not even a type A. <laughs> like, I'm, not. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of an introvert. Like I love being on stage and I love gathering my energy to do that. And I know how to do that really well. Teach a retreat weekend. But you've worked with me long enough to know like I am done. <laughs> like I'm going to bed. I need to go for a walk. I need to go nourish. I've learned to honor that deeply instead of pushing through, which is what I see a lot of women doing. So when I decided to go back to coaching, I asked myself, you know, if I were to do it over now, like, how would I do it? Because I had gone on this journey where I stopped everything for six months and just wasn't for the first time in my life, stopped making money and just did like yoga retreat, a yoga, six month yoga teacher training. And I'd go for walks and be with my son. It wasn't easy because 
part of me was like, well, how can I monetize this? And how can I sort of work? <laughs> um, so I just thought, you know, I just need to like relax and let it be. And, and out of that was birthed the answer, which is I want to help women to do what I've done, which is ask really good questions, reassess, and start practicing self-care as a way of enhancing business, enhancing relationships. And it was really um, scary for me a little bit because it wasn't like a business strategy. Like it wasn't like I was teaching you how to do marketing or coaching. It was a, it was a soft skill, right? It was like a, um, a philosophical shift so that I was asking people to invest in time, money, energy. And so I just, I trusted that, that this is what women need now. And so out of that was birth my very first course, which was eight, um, self-care strategies for entrepreneurial women or something like that, or women in business. <laughs> and then I did a group coaching course and I did a six month course. And then the women who were in it, they're like, we want more. So we, we don't want to be done. Like we love this group. We want to be, you know, so I created a year long program. And so now this is my third year running the divine self-care circle. Every month we approach a new topic. So I, I used to cram it with stuff, you know, like give a lot of value, but really what I, what happens the most is the spaciousness now. It's the conversations. It's the two group calls that we have each month. It's the one topic per month, just one. Like this month, we're exploring sacred space, inner and outer. I have two guests that are coming. I have some content. We have conversations. And that's it, just one topic. <laughs> like next month, we'll be exploring morning practice. That's it. You know, so I think it gives women um, permission to, to watch me doing it in a way that might be a little different. And it's so, I love this work. I love talking about wellness and self-care and as like the, the middle of everything you do because then you have something to turn to when, when you're overstressed or when you're tired, you're like, okay, what do I do? Oh, okay, maybe take a bath. Or maybe I, even just considering having a list of self-care practices is new for a lot of women. So that's where we start. We just start right at the beginning. And that, it's huge. That's so huge. Yeah. And I love, I love what you said about um, quality over quantity. Yes. And I think that's, again, you know, I'm, I'm one who wants to cram. I want to give everything, yes. you know, I just, cause I have so much to offer. I want to give it all. And it's like, but that's overload. That's overwhelm. And you're, you, me, I, I'm part of my gift is to give, get you out of overwhelm. You know, so it is cutting back. It is slowing down. It is um, zooming in on that quality. And that's so good. I mean, one topic a month could probably take a year for one that one topic, right? <laughs> if, I mean, I, I know how to create content. I know how to create curriculum. I'm good at it. I was trained to do it. And so at the beginning, my very first group course had a topic a week. It was 12 weeks. And I still have women in my course now because I have alumni who were in that very first course uh -huh. and just had this conversation. They're like, oh, this is so much better, Elena. Like <laughs> the first time we did this, and it was 12 weeks and 12 topics. I was like, behind one week? behind two weeks. Oh my gosh, I'm never going to catch up. I'm such a bad student. Like it was just, such a, you know, a cycle of, I don't think I had anyone go through all 12 topics. And so for the next one, I did, um, two topics a month. It was six months and that was, that was better, but it still didn't hit that sweet spot. 
And now I finally gave myself permission to trust that one time, because I have to think about it. Like in my world, this is my world. Like what I'm teaching is my world, but in your world, I'm one piece of the wheel. So how can I embed my piece in your work that feels beautiful and seamless and light and an invitation to explore versus that like, I have to do this by this date. It's not about that, you know? So there's nothing, there's no like homework, there's no assignments. There's a couple of experiments and challenges that we do that are all just beautiful and playful and easeful. Um, but mostly I think it's, I recognize that it's just my intentionality about the space I create. So I think much like you, it's about the experience. It's about embodiment. It's about um, getting to the truth of why the overwhelm is there in the first place. What are the beliefs about having to do more and be more and constantly evolve? And it's like just enough already. Take and that's so, so much of that is about stopping and allowing yourself to go in. Yeah, it's so very scary. In fact, I wrote I wrote a, a poem this morning yeah. about that called Skimming the Surface. Yeah. And how so so many women are afraid of that deep dive. Yes, I was. I think I definitely was. And I remember thinking I'm like, oh, I'm like a jack of all trades, but you know, I can and I was proud of that because I can learn things quickly and I can move on and integrate really fast, which is a skill that I still value. But there's something um, empowering about taking something that you really are interested in and allowing yourself to explore the depths of it. Mm. So I know like with, with dance or, um, with self-care, like I think about it all the time. Like, how does this relate to my relationship? How does this relate to how I show up as a woman, like in bed? And how does this relate to me as a mom? So I, I feel like I've done the deep dive with self-care. And to me, that gives me, I mean, again, I've said this before and it's actually happened. <laughs> like put me on any stage and I'll forget what I'm talking about. And I can talk about it all day long. And that's the thing for me. Like I really can talk about this self-care, self-mastery. Like how do you mm. give yourself that deep, deep permission to really um, trust your pace, trust your body. I mean, these are big topics to explore. And I, I think for all women, I and mean, there's women who I've worked with in the corporate world who are now bringing self-care to the corporate world, which I love because if someone, when I was in the corporate world, if someone had stopped me and said, hey, what are you doing on your lunch break? Are you working on your lunch break? <laughs> let's, let's go for a walk, you know? Let's talk about why you're, you're not letting your body rest and why you come home at the end of every day just exhausted and what's happening to your body and what a conversation, validating conversation to have in a workplace. You know, so I would, part of me is like, oh, what would, wouldn't it be fun to go back to corporate and like teach self-care? I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm good. <laughs> if, if that happens one day and if there's an invitation to speak in a corporate place, I'm all about it. It'd be awesome. I think if anything, the corporations need a little bit of that divine feminine, you know, redefining what hustle really means and how, how, like, if you look at lots of European countries, the, the work schedules are different. The time off is different. Lunch is actually lunch. You know, families valued. There's all different. Like maternity leave is different. It's all different. <laughs> Not to poo-poo America, because there's a lot of companies doing really, really good work here that do value their employees' well-being as much as they do the ROI on their output. So, yeah, self-care. Self-care for the win. <laughs> Delicious. So if you could tell our listeners one thing to do every day, what would that be? Oh, <laughs> I, you know, I think the, the most powerful thing you can do is to slow down. 
even if it's in moments, even if it's like giving yourself the chance to slow down and be present for your morning coffee. If you do that for five days and like do nothing else but just sit and have your breakfast without a podcast or a book or anything else, even a journal, really even a journal, because even that can become its thing. Like I have to journal today, you know? So just really inviting you to slow down with whatever you're doing and feel what it's like to be present with something fully that can, I, I think that can start informing other things. The thing that I teach the most often that I get asked to teach most often is morning practice because there's no successful people. I mean, I have studied and read and interviews and Tony Robbins and JLo and everyone like every Oprah, anyone who, anyone who has accomplished greatness in their own way, in their own life has had some container for their day mm-hmm. That's because our relationship to time can be very tenuous. And so you can excuse yourself from doing the things that you want because you don't have time and it's such a rush and people have expectations of your time and you have to get to work. And so, you know, my theory is if you have three to five minutes in the morning to slow down and to do magic morning practice, as I call it, which is one to two minutes for your mind, which would be like either writing or reading something inspirational, some form of embodiment, which is could be just as simple as putting on one song and dancing or stretching and then one thing to activate your spirit, which could be really as simple as looking out the window for a minute and slowing down your breathing. Mm. That alone can start to shift how you show up energetically for everything else in your day. And then you'll want more, which is why there's more, <laughs> but that's a place <laughs> to start is really to create a container around your day. And a container means two sided. So if you're starting your day like that, you can also end your day with some gratitude and intentionality. It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to buy a book. You don't even have to join my circle, although I want you to. But <laughs> okay. the simple thing you can do on your own is think, if I could start my day in a way that's meaningful and intentional, what would it look like for me? Because I'm big on you finding your way. Like I'll give you suggestions and ideas of what works for me and other women, but you're going to find your way. Maybe you have a lake next to you. Maybe you have woods. Maybe that's your thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have a massage, foot massage thing you like to do. Every, I don't know, whatever it is for you. Whatever feels good, right? Minutes of like intentional focus and slowing down, stop the multitasking and just be and do the same thing at night. It will start to make a difference in your day and your um, awareness of how you bring your body into everything you're doing. So, yeah. Beautiful. Just get it all in one big, beautiful, juicy space. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Body, mind, and spirit. And live live with intention and, and feel good. Yeah. And live this beautiful life that we have to live. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what we're here for. Woo, oh yeah. Right on. And um, for those of you who don't know, Elena and I, um, along with Linnea Gillen, teach a, this year, it'll be a four-day weekend workshop at Brighton Bush Hot Springs um, in Oregon. So um, there's still room if you have the desire to come and do this work with us in person. And we all teach this individually. I will um, put all of Elena's um, information uh, down below so you can join her list you can join her group you can what else can they do with you if they want like the magic morning practice is like i said it's one of the things i teach the most so it's if you sign up to my list you actually get for free you just get a video talking about like really breaking down your magic morning practice so that's the first thing you receive take five minutes i think it's a seven minute video you watch it make some notes 
you know, brainstorm ideas for yourself. And that would be the gift that I would say you give yourself <laughs> if you want to think about um, being more intentional with your work, with your relationships. And I, honestly, it's been, I've been doing this for, my son's 11 now, I started when he was two. So I've been doing some version of morning practice, you know, for nine years. And it's been, like I say, when I have bigger things to do that day, like if I'm speaking or teaching, I do more of a, of a morning routine, like an hour or more. If I, you know, some usually it's around 20 minutes to 30 minutes, depending on my morning. But when I have more to do, like when I have more of me that needs to show up, divinely guided and open and present I do more so it's really my tool to show up with like presence and energy you know because I mean everyone has their days but I know how to access that space and that practice in the morning has been absolutely key and if you watch anything like I said I remember watching that Tony Robbins movie and his latest one and they didn't actually say it but they showed it they showed him doing his morning thing but they didn't say it right. like, oh he's doing it and I've actually researched morning practices so I I've had I've like tons of articles on people who are talking about their their key to success being their morning practice everyone has some version of it, it doesn't have to look the same but there's some element of physical mental and spiritual well and that whole thing is that you set yourself up for success yes every yes. day yes i say the way you show up in your day well the way you start your day is the way you show up in the world right. and so that should be enough of like presencing awareness to say how am i showing up do i like how i'm showing up if you do awesome continue what you're doing if there's some part of you that's craving more embodiment more presence more joy more um I just awareness of your words and how to not, not saying that everything's gonna be perfect. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden there's a veil of sparkle and magic over your life, but there's definitely at least like that separation from being angry to like, Oh, I'm getting angry. Like there's a noticing that pause that have that Buddhists talk about. Like when you meditate, you get that there's like a split two or three seconds, you know, beforehand where you get to choose or you get to say, wow, I just did that. It really brings a level of awareness to your life. And I'm not saying you have to have a Buddhist meditation practice or anything of the sort. It's just a way to be here. Yes. And there's so much more, you know, like stopping the social media, reading less news, like all those things we can talk about for a long time, but it all starts with your presence mm -hmm. of like, oh, I feel like I've been reading the news for 20 minutes. Maybe I should stop and go drink some water and go outside. And, you know, there's lots of things we talk about one in the self-care world, but um, start with that morning. It really does change things. Far out. <laughs> it's so good. There's so much. There's so, uh, so much heart and, and a bit of hustle in all that we have to do and all that we do and um and that's a beautiful thing you know I, it's just such a beautiful thing to to be conscious and aware and and approach our life with with that with that presence yeah and i think the hustle without the heart is just like spinning your wheels right so i i always say redefine the hustle i don't have anything against the word hustle i love like if i'm on fire and like oh i know exactly what i'm doing today these are my tasks like i will get in there and i will slay it and then i will stop and then I go outside and then we'll go do something else you know so i'm saying intentional hustle with heart i love how you put it because you need both otherwise you're just doing without knowing why or knowing where it's going and that to me is where burnout happens i think that's where i was for a long time well and and the other side of that is 
to have the desires, but not be willing to do the work for them. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I think it's really important to be able to dream and to have that vision, to envision what it is you want. But you can't just envision it. You have to go after it. You have to map it out. You have to take action. And some of t sometimes that involves a bit of hustle. Yeah. And that's a good thing because it really puts it into perspective. Yes. And you know, an interesting conversation I've had, I haven't had this one for a long time, but I remember having it for a while, which is just that, which came first, the chicken or the egg? So which came first, action or confidence? Because so many people are waiting to be, to feel confident in order to take action. And it just doesn't work that way. Like if you've been dancing for 20 years and you're confident in your ability and someone asks you to dance, you're going to dance. But the truth is we're doing so many new things, especially in this online space and work and, and it's all brand new. Like there's so much new and the careers we have now aren't this conversation wouldn't be possible years ago. I remember being a kid thinking, seeing those phones with the little picture on it like, Oh, you can call someone and see them. Like, and now I have clients all over the world. Like I talk to people from New Zealand and Australia, like no problem. Easy. Hey, let's hop on zoom. You know, it's like the paradigms have shifted so much that when you come back to thinking like, I have to feel like I know all of this before I take any action towards my desires is a thought that's going to keep you stuck exactly where you are versus knowing and trusting like, okay, if I just take this one step. I'm going to feel good about myself, which is yeah. going to lead me to take the next step. Exactly. Not you birth your own confidence by taking a step. It's like watching a kid, you know, walk. They're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, look, I took a step. Oh, I think I'll take another. Mm -hmm. And that's how they learn. They don't just go from sitting to walking, although my son did. But, you know, people <laughs> keep crawling all together. Um, but I think I did too, which I actually went back as an adult and crawled around. because I'm like, I think I'm missing some connections in there. But, you know, I think so many women get stuck in, like, having the dream, like, I know what I want, if they know what they want. That's a really interesting point, too, because so many women can't really articulate what they want, and that's okay. We all start there. But once they do, it's like, well, what do I do now? I don't know what to do. I need someone to tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. Um, and I think you do know what to do. <laughs> I always love to ask, you know, the typical coaching question, like, if you did know, what would it be? Right. And then you access imagination. And that's where we start to think about, well, if I did know, I would make that call or I would write that book or I would, you know, read that book or whatever. So. Well, and I think that's just a, a really good side note is, you know, and, and that's one of my specialties is to help you define those things. So it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to, to get someone to help you formulate you know, the words, the ideas to bring them into, into physical physicality. Yes. You know, to bring them thoughts become words, become things. Yes. And it is hard sometimes, especially if you're not used to diving deep and to go into touching that place within you to get help for that. And that's what you and I do. We're there to assist and guide and lead you on these fantastic journeys. I love it. And I love, you know, from my coaching, like I said, when I, that very first coaching call I had where I was sweating and I was so <laughs> nervous, I think part of it was because I thought I needed to be the one to educate and guide and create and give. And like, how am I going to possibly give this man who's like doing a job I've never done, you know, what, how am I going to do that? And I realized after, and I coached him for over a year, every week over here. And finally we, um, and 
I think what started shift as my, as my perception started shifting and how I approached the calls after every call, there was a point where he's like, Elena, I just want you to know my wife says, thank you. Whatever you've been doing is working. <laughs> I was helping him really like slow down and meditate and, and seek question the answers within himself and to, um, and because I had no idea of a lot of things, I had no preconceived notions of what was possible for him. And so I approached it from my perspective, which was all about coming back to your own knowing and trusting yourself. And intuition was a big part of how I coached. I trust that I don't know the answer for you as much as the next person you do. I want to help you access that. And that's right. where I come from. Do I know some strategies and books that will help along the way? Absolutely. I've read thousands of books, but I don't think that that book is going to give you your answer. It's going to help trigger uh, an awareness that you might not have had before. So as soon as I shifted that, clients rolled in. I was coaching like salespeople double my age. You know, again, I was in my early 20s. So my confidence level was like really high, but my skill level was just starting out. I just trusted that even if I didn't know the answer in the moment, I knew how to guide guide the conversation and that really led me like now I question myself much more than I did when I was 21 you know like I have no idea what I'm doing but that's fine I'll figure it out so I have to access her you know sometimes be like it's okay I know what I'm doing I'll figure it out it's okay because I think you start to just question yourself maybe a little more in, in, in other ways so um where do we start? Gosh, tangents are so fun. That's to say that that's how I coach now is I think what helped me have that really, you know, scary, sweaty experience is, is thinking that I had the answer. Mm -hmm. And so now when I coach women, both in my inner kind of circle, private coaching and one-on-one, -on -one, which I don't do very much anymore, but I do in the group setting is um, just really holding space. And I think once you get good at holding space for people, you can coach anyone. Like I trust, even if, if someone said, okay, Elena, you have an opportunity to coach Tony Robbins for 20 minutes. Go. I'd be like, awesome. I have no idea what's going to happen, but I can do it after I shake off my nervousness. Yes. <laughs> you know, go pee, <laughs> take a drink, you know, <laughs> and like, if I can be so present as to hold space, for him and it wouldn't be about changing him or enlightening him. It would just be, I have such a deep trust that my energy and his energy together would create something. And so if I can do that, which, Oh my God, wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> um, you know, it's playful to think like that, like, who knows what if, I don't know, who cares? like what if one day I will, but if I could trust that me being as present as fully me as I can be could bring something to the table and that's all you need to take that step forward because you know what it, when you're first starting out it feels like every every client is Tony Robbins it feels like like they, you don't know what you're doing and you have no idea how you're going to help them and how are you going to do it and um I, I definitely had that feeling with my first client that I felt out of my league right but I don't have that feeling anymore because I just trust I trust if the opportunity is there and I've been guided to it and it's available to me. Like when I did my first keynote on stage, I was like, Oh my God, what am I going to say? You know? And I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to figure it out. And I'll, even if it's terrible or whatever, it'll be an experience. I just don't, I don't take it so seriously as to think it's going to be a failure anymore. I just think, um, as long as I do my work every day and do my things, I can show up and regardless of how it goes, it'll be perfect. Mm -hmm. And it always is. Well, it's trusting yourself to bring yourself to the table. Yes, that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's so good.
All right. Well, and that's why I love my theme song. Give <laughs> me that link. I want to hear all the words. It's hard to see. It's hard to hear it over this. Because life will never be the same when you take those steps. Yeah. I just love that. Life will never be the same. You're asking for change. You're you're looking to change, right? Love it. Plus, it's just a great song to dance with you. <laughs> Wait, should I bring my ukulele or what? Yes. Okay. <laughs> we'll definitely have a song circle. All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Elena Lipson, for bringing your beautiful soul, spirit, smile. Thank you for having me. And hustle. Visionary healers, movers, and shakers. This is the place to be. <laughs> <laughs> so I love it. Thank you, everybody, and we'll see you next time.